I think most new managers can relate to this, but like you will have moments where you're just like, whoa, that doesn't work the way that I thought that it did. Hi, I'm Nil Spinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Sarah Roba. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Nils. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, same here, Sarah. I'm super excited to dig into all things leadership with you because I know you've had a pretty incredible leadership journey over the last five years. We're going to talk about that. But right now, why don't you tell us a little bit about the role you're in and the company that you work for today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Roba. I'm the VP of Customer Success at SkillJar. SkillJar is the leading customer education platform purpose-built for external customer and um, partner training. I joined SkillJar about five years ago. Um, I started as a customer success manager and have moved up the ranks. I'm now the VP of customer success, as I mentioned. My team consists of a couple of different teams within customer success. So basically kind of managing the post-sale customer journey. So implementation, customer success management, account management, support, and then customer education as well. So um, it's been quite the journey and I'm excited to share a little bit more about that. Good. Hey, and five year stretch. And I know you went from individual contributor when you joined as a CSM to being promoted around this time or almost just a little bit ago last year. So from individual contributor to VP in four years inside of a fast growing company, that's going to be a world of difference for everybody listening and how you actually went about doing that. So excited to dig in. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine and let's go back to joining SkillJar. You joined as a CSM, but then there was a point at which you had an opportunity to step into a leadership position. So tell us a little bit about what that opportunity looked like and how that even came about. You know, one of the big reasons that I joined SkillJar is I was at this point in my career where I felt like I was just ready for a big challenge. I was ready to join a company that one would invest in my development opportunity, but also one that was growing that I could take my previous experience and apply as much as possible, but also challenge myself in new ways to almost see what I'm capable of. And that is definitely what I've gotten, I would say through to today, which has been great. Um, so I started, as I mentioned, as a customer success manager, I was managing all of our new onboarding customers Within about nine months um, of me, my time at SkillJar, uh, it was time to start hiring again. We hired a new CSM, and I noticed, let's just say our onboarding process left much to be desired. We were a 15-person company at that time, right? So most don't have it figured out. 
I had a big vested interest in we need to get our new CSMs up to speed as quickly as possible. And there was a clear gap on that front, which I had the privilege of experiencing myself in learning the job by basically listening to the other CSM on the team. I quickly identified an opportunity. We are a customer training platform that internal teams can use to train CSMs and get CSMs onboarded just like their customers are learning their product. Um, So I decided one night, we've got three CSMs joining on Monday. It was the Wednesday before. I'm going to create an internal training program so we can get these CSMs up to speed as quickly as possible. It's going to help me because then they'll be ramped quickly and they'll be able to start contributing to the team, but also help them in having a really great employee onboarding experience. So that's what I did. It was like very bare bones, but essentially identifying what resources did we have internally, putting it all together. And it was hugely successful. It got our onboarding down from 12 weeks to 30 days. And I would say after the 30-day period, our employees were probably 75% ramped. So they were in a pretty good spot to like actually start contributing. Now, hang on. Let me ask you a question about that. So so you hired three CSMs or the organization hired three CSMs. To, they all happened to start at once, which is great. Correct. And did anybody ask you that, hey, Sarah, you need to figure out like how you're going to onboard and train these people or anything like that? Nope. Nope. Definitely not. was not my responsibility, but you know, it partially was right in startup life. We all have a responsibility to identify gaps and contribute. And I would say that pivotal project was what set me apart as a leader, identifying there's a need. This can have a pretty significant impact on the CS organization, on our customers, our ability to really create a great experience for our customers and our employees. And that was kind of the the catalyst project that ultimately when we need to needed to bring on a manager of customer success which was about 2 months later my name was at the top of the list because i had already demonstrated in the work that i had done as a csm um, that i was capable of kind of taking that initiative and leading the team so this wasn't in the context of you saying oh i really want to be manager in the future and i bet this project would be a great thing to make me look good right you solved a problem that was very real and very imminent and had to be solved just because it needed to be solved, right? And then as a result, two months later, you were at the top of the list when a leadership promotion or a position was available. Is that right? Yep, exactly. That's wonderful. And there's so much just great insight that the audience can take from this. And it has been consistent theme with some of the other guests on this show that the first time everybody gets into this leadership position, it's not a result of anybody asking them to do anything, right? It's simply the result of identifying a situation that needs to be solved, right? Whether it's a problem or whether it's a future problem, doesn't matter. And then coming up with a solution and actually doing it and positioning yourself in the future. I think that's absolutely wonderful. A hundred percent. One of the things that I'm always driving with my team is extreme ownership. And that doesn't necessarily mean that well, I'm going to own everything and do everything, but it means that if I identify a gap or I identify a need, I'm going to move forward with actually resolving that. And that could mean leveraging other teams or things like that. But I think that's something that sometimes gets lost. Well, this gap is too big for me to tackle, but you can be the one that identifies there is a gap. And I think these are the resources that we can leverage to fill it and aligning with your manager to see what's the priority of this and things like that. But extreme ownership is so key and it gives you the opportunity to develop your own skills in different areas in a fairly low risk 
environment, but also allows you to really step up and show others what you're capable of. Awesome. Love it. Extreme ownership. What a, what a perfect way to encapsulate that feeling and that sentiment. And I imagine your team internally knows that through and through and you guys must perform at an exceptionally high level because you're always talking about that and reinforcing that. That's wonderful. Yep. Yeah. So let's fast forward to the two months when you got promoted, right? There was an opportunity identified. Hey, we need a manager of the team. Okay, Sarah, at the top of the list. Now you're in the leadership position. What happened when you got into that position going from IC into manager? Yeah. I wanted to be a manager for a really long time. It's one of the reasons I left my last company. I was really looking for that opportunity. So I took it very seriously. This just wasn't something that kind of fell on my lap. It was something that I really wanted. I had several, I think most new managers can relate to this, but like you will have moments where you're just like, whoa, that doesn't work the way that I thought that it did. So an example of that is you know, I'll never forget my previous manager would send out reminder emails of things that needed to get done. And that kind of bugged me as an individual contributor because it made me feel like there was a lack of trust. So when I became manager of the team, I stopped sending those emails out. And uh, we had an important meeting that was coming up and one of my CSMs didn't do anything to prep for it. And we didn't realize it until we were in the meeting. And they very quickly in the meeting were filling out this deck that had to get done. And I met with them afterwards and said, Hey, like what happened? This meeting happens every single month. Like what was the breakdown? And she was like, I didn't get the, the reminder emails. And in that moment, it made me realize not everyone works the way that I do. And it sounds so simple, but it was such a huge um, realization for me and such an important lesson that and this has been a big part of my leadership philosophy is you have to adapt and adjust to the needs of every employee on your team. And that doesn't mean that it needs to be so custom that you can't actually scale yourself, but understand what do they need to be successful and what makes them tick and adjust your approach to that. Because although me removing those reminders for myself worked for me, I wasn't the one actually doing it anymore. And that was a big aha moment for myself at that point. Yeah, that's incredible that not everybody works the same way that I do. And some people crave that kind of structure. Or if you just get into the rhythm and routine of how something works, you know, having that taken away without necessarily knowing it's being taken away can be a totally unsettling experience and leave you in a lurch trying to catch up in a meeting when you should have been prepped and ready for it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right. So let's let's take a look now, F, you know, fast forward through there and eventually you become director. So talk me through what were the things, the major pieces that led to that promotion as opposed to, you know, having executed in the manager role for a little while? Yeah, great question. So, you know, spent some time developing my people management experience. A lot of um, my time between manager and director was just really honing those skills. How can I empower my team to like really maximize their skill set to um, execute exceptionally well and drive the business outcomes that we were driving? So those were a lot of the skills that I was working on. But the other area that I needed to flex to really demonstrate that I am capable of moving into the director role, owning more kind of team strategy, larger vision, things like that was really kind of digging into data and taking a step back and, and analyzing what's happening within the team, what's happening within the organization based on where we are within customer success now and the growth, 
growth of our business, where do we need to get to? And kind of having that longer term vision. And what that meant at Skilljar was where are things breaking down? Um, we had kind of figured out how to operate customer success successfully. Um, our customers were very happy with the support that they were getting for customers. But what was breaking down was um, CSMs were doing way too much. And what that meant, you know, they owned implementation, support, ongoing strategy. And when one role has too many responsibilities, ultimately, they're going to over-index in certain areas and under-index in others. So we needed to really functionalize. And that was one of my big projects that I had taken on that kind of got me to that director level role. Now's the time where we need to really functionalize the team, build out an implementation team, take those responsibilities off so we can really make a great customer experience during the implementation phase, one of the most important phases of the customer journey, um, set them on the right foot, but also allow our CSMs to focus on where they can bring the most value. They are strategic thinkers, they're strategic partners, um, and we weren't really maximizing them for that. So that was kind of a big shift for us was me getting out of just thinking about how can I best develop my team and grow my team and get us to the execution that we need and shifting to now I need to step back and identify what do we need as a business in kind of developing our operations to support the growth of the organization. And again, what that meant at Skilljar was really kind of functionalizing um, and building from there. So if you had never been through that growth and that promotion and that kind of shift in thinking before, how did you navigate through those waters where, you know, on one hand, you were focused on development of the team and making the team really great. That's cool. But then all of a sudden, there was a bigger picture objective with regards to how is this org going to be structured to meet the needs of the growing business? How did you navigate that if you had never been through it before? I would say, you know, several things. One, I had the benefit of being a CSM myself. So I knew that struggle. I also spent a lot of time with my team. So just understanding what are the challenges that you're running into. Another piece was I built my network. So whether that was participating in different CS communities, um, I had a group of mentors that I was working with, people that were in the position that I wanted to be in next, individuals that... Uh, were, you know, significantly further than myself that I could tap into, hey, here's the challenge that we're running into. How have you seen this approached previously? And what do I know based on my previous experience that will validate like what's breaking down and not working? And what are our options for how to approach that in a way that actually applies to the skill jar business? So really, I know one of the things that you talk about a lot, Nils, is use the tools in your toolkit. And that's kind of what I did. What do I know? What are the resources that I have? And how can I bring those things together to really identify a solution that fits the needs of the skill jar business? Love it. That's excellent navigating in uncertain waters that you're in. So now let's talk about the biggest uncertain water of getting to VP. Right, and going from, so individual contributor to manager to director, and now there's the potential to be promoted to VP. What was it that enabled you to get to that position and as your team was growing all along the way? Yeah, executing very well at the director level, hitting goals was a big part of that. I will also say that, you know, I think a big, one thing that, that I have identified that like really helped contribute to that is I think oftentimes when 
when you get promoted to like director level, for example, it's easy to get to over index in the vision strategy planning. And that piece is really important that execution is of critical importance as well. It's great if you can have vision and get your team bought into that vision. But ultimately, if you can't drive the execution to that, um, then it doesn't really mean anything. And I think that was kind of a key contributor there. I had done a pretty significant project in between my kind of director experience and VP experience. And it was basically building out what is customer success going to look like at SkillJar over the next, you know, 24 to 36 months. And that was a great experience because at the time I had quite a few individual contributors reporting up to me and balancing the tactical, you know, we got to keep things moving, but also pulling myself outside of that and really developing what do we want customer success at SkillJar to look like? What, Where are we today and where do we want to get to and what's the plan to actually get there? And that really included a lot of kind of tactical items, but also, you know, what are the big kind of key rocks similar to the segmentation stuff? How is our organization going to need to shift and adjust? And another key piece of that is how does that um, align with other cross-functional partners? And one of the biggest um, pieces of advice, the most valuable piece of advice that I learned from other mentors when kind of developing into the VP role was the goals of your cross-functional partners are your goals as well. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, wait, what? Tell me more about this, right? And digging into it, it makes so much sense because you're no longer kind of functioning in this silo of, well, I just own my team and I need to get my team to hit these goals, but rather you are the one developing what that vision is and what those goals are that we're getting to. And ultimately you can't do it in a silo. I'm dependent on marketing and sales and product and engineering and really deeply developing those relationships. Um, and kind of establishing what that looks like was, was really important. Yeah. So, I mean, it, as you have progressed, the the sphere of your relationships has had to progress as well. And I love that sentiment that your, your cross-functional peers' goals are your goals too, because if you make them successful, they'll want to make you successful. And ultimately, you can't be successful in a silo anymore. When you are just a manager of a team, yeah, you can control everything within your team. And, you know, there might be a few things that are outside of your control, but for the most part, you're there. But when, when you get to director level, it gets a little bit less. And when you're at the VP level, it's considerably less, right? Because you're, you're tackling problems that are at a different level at every stage. And there are more people involved with the higher the level that you go. That's exactly. really fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. One other thing I'll add to that too, which Nils, I learned this from you, is I don't have the answers. Um, I'll never forget when you told me that. And I was like, well, I should have the answer, right? And I think part of developing those cross-functional partnerships is you need to build your, your toolkit, right? Like what are the resources that you have? And those cross-functional relationships are some of your most valuable tools and tapping into those resources help you find the answers because ultimately the answer to a retention problem, for example, is not within CS. That's a piece of the puzzle, but it usually starts with sales and marketing and product. So it all kind of ties together and really leaning into that piece um, is critical to being successful at the VP level. 
I love it. And yeah, that not having the answers is the greatest weight off your shoulders. It's the greatest enlightening thing you could possibly do. Trips some people up sometimes, get takes a little bit of getting used to, but you've made a tremendous progression in embracing that and become, you know, just comfortable in any situation because frankly, you don't know what's coming next and which problem you're going to have to tackle, right? So that's the truth. That, there's, there's only one certainty in leadership. That is the problems will continue to come every single day. <laughs> we'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. So I know it, it hasn't all been rainbows and unicorns, you know, from a resume perspective, CSM, manager, director, VP, four years, looks amazing. However, I know there was a lot of challenges and struggles along the way. So what would you say are some of the biggest hurdles, either, you know, mentally and in, in where you were progressing from and to, or just even, you know, how to stand up for yourself at these different levels when you haven't had to do that before? What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced uh, during this significant growth period? Oh, so many of them. And you're right. It definitely... It's been a wonderful experience, but it's challenging for sure, especially moving up so quickly because there's you are a different person professionally at every level. Um, I'll start off with the one that you actually just touched on in that the challenges are constant. It took me a while to kind of come to terms with that. Um, I was working at a much slower moving company prior to working at Skilljar. And so the challenges were a lot slower. They took us a lot longer to resolve. At a startup, it's much quicker. And obviously being in a leadership position, your job is to solve problems. So it's just kind of a constant turn of those things. And I think coming to terms with the fact that like my job is a problem solver and I don't have all the answers. And part of the fun of being in a leadership position is enjoying solving those things and kind of figuring out how to do that. That was a challenging process for sure. And something that I still have to remind myself of that, like celebrate this win, but also know there's going to be another one. And one of the things that I like to do too, is like, look back three months from now and think of what was my biggest challenge then. And I always laugh because I'm like, that was nothing compared to what I'm doing now. But at the time it was like a huge deal and it felt like everything was caving in. So just maintaining that perspective, it took me a very long time to gain that perspective. And I will say that I still have to regularly remind myself. I have a little post-it on my desk that says this too shall pass. It's just a reminder that like this too shall pass and something else is going to come right after that. So <laughs> that was a big one. Um, another thing that I would say is your, and you kind of touched on this Mills, but you know, your presence in the organization and what you contribute it changes as you move up in leadership, right? So I started as a peer to my other CSMs and I then became their manager. And that required me to shift my behavior in how I was engaging with them. And then when I moved from, you know, manager, I was there doing a lot of kind of hands-on coaching with my team and like really deeply involved in their development. When I moved to the director level, 
my peer group also changed and how I interacted with other managers had to change. And the way that I looked at things changed. I wasn't so focused on the silo of my team, but I was focused on now I need to be able to more effectively speak to what is the business impact of the decision that I'm making versus what is the impact of the decision on my team and on our customers. And that that was like a pretty big transition. And there's a lot of like personal growth that happens during that time because I found myself in situations where um, I'm a pretty like collaborative, go with the flow. I can get along with almost anyone. But as you continue to move up, part of your job is to really, Skilljar has a healthy dialogue um, core value. And I love that about the skill jar culture, but we're, we're really encouraged to like lean into healthy dialogue. And I think as you continue to move up, that becomes even more important because your job is to call out, Hey, there's a problem here. And sometimes that leads to a lot of challenging conversations. And there were certainly times where I overdid it a little bit just in finding what am I comfortable with? What's needed on that front and kind of figuring out my voice. The second thing that I'll add onto that is imposter syndrome. Like when I was first promoted to a director, oh my gosh, I felt like such an imposter. Like what am what am I doing? Like am I really ready for this? And it probably took me about 9 months before I felt like I'm a director. Like I have the skill set for this. I see how good I am at my role and I'm confident I was probably actually there when I was promoted, but internally I wasn't. And I listened to a TED talk by um, Amy Cuddy all about, you know, body language. And one of the things that she shares is fake it till you become it. And that was such an empowering statement to me because it just made me realize that like, I will get there eventually. You just have to press on and learn from all of those experiences. And sometimes it takes you longer to get to that level of comfort than others, but you will get there, right? It's like being a CSM. You have your first customer call with like a big enterprise account. And it's like, oh my gosh, I was shaking in my boots the whole time. And before you know it, after a month, you're like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I can do it, right? Versus taking on a new role, it might take you six months to get comfortable with what your new responsibilities are. But keeping in check that like, you just need to push forward until you become that thing and you will become it if you put the time and effort into it. So those are probably like my biggest learnings and just kind of adjustments that I needed to make mentally. Those are, those are fantastic. And just the being aware, number one, of the imposter syndrome feeling, which happens across the board, regardless of level, regardless of role, regardless of company, regardless of size, it's there, right? It is a belief that's for somehow we get in our own mind that we're not good enough for, or we don't belong in this particular position. And I love what you said there that, you know, the fake it till you become it is was one way to short circuit and, and circumvent some of that feeling. Um, and that there is time right? That it takes in the seat executing against the role that helps tremendously too. And you don't have to show up and be the 100% perfect confidence person at every step of the way. That's okay, right? But to continue to work at it and never, ever let it defeat you, right? And you're a perfect example of modeling that behavior that, hey, I might feel like an imposter, but that's not going to be a limiting thing for me executing. That's just something that I'm going to work through. And as I progress, it's just going to get less and less and less probably never goes away if it's there for me at various times as well. I certainly deal with it from time to time, but the same things, you keep showing up every day, you keep solving problems pretty soon. All of a sudden, everything you see 
Like it really isn't that big a deal compared to what it looked like just a few months prior. Right. It's kind of like the example of the challenges that are constantly coming, right? Three months ago, that challenge was huge and now it's nothing. And you kind of have to think of your own development in that way. Yeah. So let's let's talk about development and the advice that you would give to people who are in various levels of position based on what you've been able to accomplish. Accelerating through the ranks, having a wonderful career inside of Skilljar. The company as a whole has done very well and you've done very well. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to accelerate their career and wants to get to the next level? What would you tell them to do? Yeah, um, I have two primary pieces of advice. One is take absolutely every opportunity that presents itself, especially the ones that scare you and make you uncomfortable. Within reason, use your own judgment. But if an opportunity is presenting itself, that is a chance for you to grow and evolve. It could be something as simple as the example that I provided at the beginning of our chat around there's an onboarding gap. I have a skill set where I can fill that because I onboarded here at Skilljar. So let me lean into that piece. It could be an opportunity to present at a company meeting because my boss is out of the office or um, a chance to take on a more challenging customer. All of those things are how you develop the skills for your next role. And I think oftentimes, you know, it's easy for us to get our sights set on, well, I want to get to this level. And you're so focused on getting to that level that you forget about the work that it takes to actually get there. And there's nothing worse than being promoted into a role that you're not actually qualified for. So do yourself a favor and invest in those opportunities because as soon as that opportunity presents itself to get promoted or whatnot, one, you'll be first on the list. And two, you'll be set up for success because you've done the work to actually get there. So embrace the opportunities, especially the ones that scare you or make you feel uncomfortable. And then take a minute to like reflect back on the fact that you took that opportunity and celebrate that because it's not easy. I have to remind myself to do that where it's like, you know, gosh, I was like really nervous for that, but it went really well. And look, I would not have done as, as good of a job on that six months ago and celebrate that success. No, it's not perfect, but I'm developing and that you have to celebrate your own development. And you do that by continuing to challenge yourself. The second piece that I would say is ask for feedback. I hear this all the time. I want feedback, you know, give me more candid feedback. But as soon as you share feedback with not everyone, people want feedback, but, or they say they want feedback, but do you actually want feedback? Um, and I've certainly fallen into this spot before where I'm like, tell me feedback on that presentation. And I get a lot and I'm like, okay, it's going to take me a little while to recover from this, but ultimately yeah. <laughs> it's valuable. And um, feedback is so critically important. And I think oftentimes people just tap their direct manager for feedback. How am I doing on this? What does this look like? You know, fill me in those types of things. Um, but gathering feedback from your peers, from people that you work with cross-functionally, from other leaders in other departments is so, so important. I would say one of the most valuable things that I did when I first became a manager was we did 360 feedback. So I asked my VP at, a time, at the time, hey, you know, will you meet with my team and gather feedback on in the first two quarters? How am I doing as a leader? Where do I need to continue to develop and evolve? I ask my team at every one-on-one, -on -one, every quarterly check-in, and it's not just, you know, what feedback do you have for me? But 
tell me one thing that I can improve on. Tell me one thing that I'm doing that is not helpful to you. Tell me one thing that you want me to start doing, one thing that you want me to stop doing. Um, But constantly asking for that feedback and checking in. And if you do a presentation or a big project, tap others. What could have gone better? I'd love to hear what I could do better in the future and actually take that to heart and make those improvements because that's how you're going to continue to develop and evolve. But remember that you are the one that's responsible for actually like actioning on that. So Nils, you can give me as much feedback as you want, but if I don't do anything on it, then it's useless. So again, that presents another opportunity for you to lean into to continue to develop and evolve. That's wonderful advice. Take advantage of every opportunity, ask for feedback, but I especially like the qualifier outside of your normal chain of who you work for and who you work with, right? Lots of people attend meetings that you present. You can ask customers for feedback, right? Yeah, How about that? Absolutely. Executive sponsors, the your day-to-day contacts, anybody else even outside the organization who happened to witness whatever it was you were presenting, if you ask give me some feedback. It's a very generic question and you're probably going to get a generic answer. However, if you zero it in, like you were saying and say, what is one thing I could have done better in that presentation? That is a great question because it focuses the energy and attention of the other person. And I guarantee they will come back with something that can be of use to you. Totally. Plus it, it almost creates this, um, Again, I think oftentimes people ask for feedback because we're all trained to ask for feedback, but it shows that I'm actually invested in understanding how I could have performed better in that presentation or things like that. So, um, yeah, it's important. I know you uh, recently hired uh, some leadership within your organization, and so that makes perfect time for this question, because what are the characteristics and the key elements that you look for in the leaders that you are going to bring into your organization now that you are managing managers? I look for several key things. So one is excellent people managers. Uh, People are our most valuable assets. One of my fundamental beliefs is that my team doesn't work for me, I work for them. And I want leaders on my team that also view it that way, right? If I'm not effective in empowering my team and appropriately leveraging and developing their strengths, we're not going to be successful as an organization. So really being a truly like excellent people leader is really, really important. Um, The second piece is execution. I've mentioned that earlier on, but being able to actually execute on what your goals are is really important. Yes, we need to be aligned on the vision. And I think it's particularly important too when you're in a startup or you're building your business and your organization is growing very quickly, you need to be able to effectively execute on what actually has to get done. Those are really like the two kind of critical items. Um, I would also say like strong culture fit. Do they fit within, not, not necessarily, yes, within your company, but also within your team. I think as a leader, it's really important that you have a solid vision and culture for your organization and the leaders that you bring on Yes, they need to meet the job requirements and all of that, but that's the easy part. Can they fit into the culture and are they going to add to the culture or what does that mean over time? Will they continue to build what you are building and do you have strong alignment on that front? And these things might seem a little bit fluffy, but often they're overlooked. And this is where things break down, especially when you're at a company that's moving very, very quickly and you need alignment on these foundational items because you'll figure out the work piece of things. But if you don't have that fundamental alignment on 
how you drive your team, how you actually execute with what you're doing, um, and how what you're building, um, things will break down really quickly. Yeah, those are wonderful, wonderful pieces. Excellent people managers, execution, culture fit, not just the company, but the team. And there is always a difference between those two. They're similar, but there is a unique culture that is embodied by every team and there has to be a fit. So that's absolutely wonderful. All right. So as we get close to the wrap up here, I want to ask you your advice for yourself way back in that first leadership position when you got promoted from individual contributor to manager. What would you sit yourself down and say if you knew everything you know today, but had the opportunity to have a conversation with yourself back then? What would you say? Oh, gosh, Nils, this is a tough one. Um, I would probably say trust the process. It's challenging. Like it's growing and developing is very challenging. And that means that, yes, you will have some huge wins. You will have wins that just whether that's being able to promote your first employee or give an employee a raise or launch a big program or hit a key milestone, those things are great, but you'll also have a lot of failures. And sometimes you have a lot of those all at once and trusting the process and knowing that, you know, I I will learn from each of those experiences and really leaning into learning from each of those is so, so important. And I think oftentimes um, I would kind of question my own abilities in like, you know, gosh, I failed because there was a customer escalation or like this process is breaking down or, you know, we've got this big problem that we need to solve and I'm not sure what what to do about it, but just trusting the process. Like, you know how to do this. You know what the answers are. You just, again, need to use the tools that you have to figure out what that is. And it will be an ever-evolving process, but have fun while you're doing it. And don't forget to celebrate the wins because that, I was meeting with my team this morning and telling them that, you know, look back, we did as you mentioned, Mills, I've added some additional leadership to my team and everyone on the team is doing, you know, 45 day observations. What's working well, what's not working well, what are areas of investment based on your experience at SkillJar over the last 45 days? And um, I have a very driven leadership team, which I love. And we were kind of digging into things and I paused the meeting and said, okay, now look at what you presented to me and tell me you haven't learned a lot. Like you have learned an immense amount. You literally created 24 slides detailed on what your observations were, areas of opportunity, growth, things like that. And it it was a great experience but it, because it also reminded me, you know, you need to sit back and celebrate those wins. And, you know, the losses are painful, but learn from them. It is all part of the process and you need to embrace each stage of it. But don't forget to like really enjoy those wins. Cause sometimes it's, it's easy to get stuck in the, here's what I need to learn and develop. Love it. Perfect advice, uh, for yourself back then, but also for anybody listening, just trust the process and celebrate the wins. I love that you called that out because it can be way too easy to just pass over everything and assume we have to get to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And as we talked about before, there's always a next thing. So if you don't stop, nobody else is going to stop you either and help you celebrate. It's up to you regardless of what level. Well, Sarah, it's been absolutely wonderful to spend some time with you. Your organization is lucky to have you at the Leadership Helm. Thank you so much 
much for sharing your incredible experience, advice, expertise with us. And I can't wait to hear about all the great things that you and the SkillJar team do in the coming year. So thank you so much. Take care and have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, thank you so much, Nils. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.